0: Everybody, welcome to episode two of the aftermath, in which Daniel and I sit down and discuss what we talk about on Sunday mm-hmm. at greater length and in greater detail, and answer questions. And that's it. So, that's is, it. what was you a think, really Daniel? good
1: Sunday! Uh, I really enjoyed the message. Um, it was, I think, challenging to a, to a great extent, and it was uh, informative to a great extent. I, you took a, the way that you took apart the the scripture was like. Oh, I did not see this before. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. When the like, uh, that's one of the things I love about like your messages. You always have the light bulb moment. I've okay. talked to you about this before, and like, I don't know if you know uh that, that you do this, but like, there's just like a this light bulb moment. I'm like, oh, you know. So the so that so was what was that good. this week? The the unpacked. So we we start with Romans this week, correct? Right, yeah, yeah. And at the start of the scripture, it talks about. You know, the, the covering of, of truth and the people that hide the truth. Yeah, the suppression
0: of truth. Yeah. yeah
1: they they open themselves up to this giant list of, of of just sin and and you know, they basically enslave themselves to the sin because of their suppression of truth. That was that was just um So it was like the the original cause piece was the, yeah, the light bulb yeah. moment. Okay. Yeah, and like I never like thought because like, you know, with every sin there's some sort of root. Right. like I didn't realize that that was such a big uh route to to the the sin that, that we look at um and like I think it's what Romans what 24 through Romans 1 24
0: through like 30 or something like that yeah it talks it's that about a list of all the stuff yeah. you don't want to get into right where he's <laughs> yeah. describing the things that the the pagans themselves had found themselves doing and right yeah and he lays it all the feet of originally just you know suppressing truth is what the way he puts it but, yeah
1: and what, yeah. what was your your definition? So, like, uh, when you get into the actual Greek, you had uh, some oh of, of wickedness. Yeah, wickedness. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It gets translated in, in a number of translations as wickedness, and it was in the in the translation translation we used on Sunday. But literally, it means unrighteous acts. Yeah, the the Greek word is adikia, and dikios is one of the words that gets used for justification, righteousness. That's that, that shares all that same root. So, yeah, because I think as I mentioned then, and and I. I thought more about, and I, I still think it's probably the case. A lot of us, when we hear the term wickedness, have some of this like dark evil force kind of come to mind. We, we think of I don't know as some sort of Hollywood vision of like the dark side of the force. Yeah, yeah. Or I think of I don't know if you ever watched uh, the Never Ending Story growing up, but uh, there's this thing called the Nothing, and it's like just this like black cloud of nothingness that just devours everything in its wake. And you know those sorts of images from popular culture tend to you know leak into our brain, but that's not really what we're talking about. And, and the wickedness that he's talking about is, is literally just the unrighteousness that leads to, to it, suppression of truth.
1: Yeah, so, I think it highlights too like the necessity for justice for not not just man's justice but God's justice. Like, right. So like, uh, and and his wrath, which you talked about at length on Sunday too. Um, get, can you like explain to the to the podcast people if they if they didn't? Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. It was. I mean, similarly to what we just talked about in this sort of. Um, the connotation or the idea that we have behind wickedness as as something that may be different than what it actually means. The idea of God's wrath is not this uh, sort of unjustified, passionate, hateful, over-response. And we talked on Sunday about a parent, you know, flying off the handle and getting upset or anybody really for that matter, that you have a, a sort of an angry reaction that doesn't fit the moment. You know, your, your frustration boils over and, and you're, you're just filled with a rage that uh, has, Sometimes nothing to do with the act, and and God's wrath is not that at all. It's it is God's upsetness with the fact that His world and His good creation has gone wrong. We talked a little bit, and I think it may have been Tim Keller that was the first that I read this from, but many people have put it put it out there before and after him. But this idea that if God isn't mad at injustice, what kind of God is he? You know, if if, if he could look at, I think we talked Sunday about you know child abuse or trafficking or you know, take any sort of evil that you look at the world and see and injustice. If, if God's not mad at that, if it doesn't upset him, can he really be a good God? And is he a God worth loving if uh, if he doesn't? I mean, to be loving and to have created something and, and love it and want the good for it means that you're upset when that doesn't happen, right? When it gets broken or goes off track, as, as we say as Christians that the world has, yeah. God necessarily is upset at that. And it is that righteous indignation that sort of just response that God has to the world—that is—is what the Old Testament and and therefore the New Testament means when it talks about God's wrath. It's not just an angry God up in the sky getting ticked off because you did something bad and you know raining down fire upon you. It's <laughs> him being grieved and and upset the fact that the thing that he he has created and he loves is is not the way that he intended it to be.
1: That's awesome. I, I never looked at that that way either because I always. I think I always had the picture of the you know this you know dark force going on you know yeah. and uh, it it kind of I guess it's like in a would you call that like an immediate translation like you kind of superimpose your life I think so on the scripture well
0: I, and I think also we need to kind of kind of push back and say what do you mean by dark force because I mean there is there is sort of a positive force of evil but in some way that positive force is a negation of God's goodness right, right. so and and obviously if we're reading scripture we have demonic forces and Satan himself that yeah. would be a force, but for sure. Not in the way that we were talking about earlier. So No.
1: So like justice as far as justice goes, like, do we have a part to play in that? Like what does that look like for us?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a big question in some way. That's like the question, right? So yeah. you know I'm immediately reminded of, you know, passages from Isaiah and various prophets where, you know, God is saying that, you know, for example, I don't I don't wish sacrifices. It's your love and mercy and justice that I seek. And justice is a, another like big term, yeah. big concept uh, in Judaism. And obviously as Christians, we get a lot of our terms and ideas and thoughts from yeah. Judaism because that's the, that's God's people, right? Yeah. That's the beginning yeah. of the story. So justice is kind of
1: taking a front row seat in our society really right now too. So. It has,
0: it has. And there again, I think even we, we tend to take justice and see it in our own light, particularly in light of our like our justice system, right? So in our minds, a lot of times justice has to do with sort of getting what you deserve, right? And uh, yeah. what, what God means by justice has much more to do with his, the concept of shalom. We often use the word for peace for shalom, but it's, it's a much broader concept and it, it is, I mean, to, to, to act justly is ultimately what God will do that we're called to do is to put things to rights. I think that's the Tom Wright term is like putting things to rights. So rather than making sure that someone who did something wrong gets what they deserve, God's justice is, okay, something's broken. How do we fix it? Oh, that's so much more helpful, right? Yeah. Yeah. So to be people of justice is, to look at a broken system, whatever that system is, or a broken person, or what a brokenness in general, say how do we how do we fix this? How would God want this to be fixed? Right. And sometimes that is justice in the way that we see it. Right. That you know some that does is a piece of it. Right. If somebody has wronged someone, there needs to be some restitution, some reconciliation. But forgiveness also has to be a piece of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and and much more. I mean, there has to be tangible action to to make right what is wrong. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like these days, and we're probably gonna see today and tomorrow and in the coming weeks, people are gonna be taken to the streets. And the, you know, the question that we have to be asking ourselves as, as God's people is, how do we bring healing and wholeness to this inflamed situation to make things right, to help set things right? Yeah. Uh, and that's the call of justice and, and what God's ultimately asking us to do and looking to do through us. I guess that's probably an even better way to yeah, say that.
1: I, I would say it would be impossible to Try to do some sort of outworking of justice right now without God being front and center in the whole thing. No,
0: Just, right now especially, but never, right? Like, right? I mean, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> but, yeah. Never yeah. yeah, yeah but no, but your point is is absolutely valid. You know, I mean, and I think that's if we're gonna be biblical about it, that's that's the way a lot of justice movements go wrong, right? Is they're seeking the end result without the power by which to be able to do it.
1: Oh, that's amazing, man! Right?
0: So when we talk Sunday about being a people who speak. The truth, who don't suppress the truth to speak the truth, is—is is that really to bring to bear, to bring to the forefront, the power through which and by which justice can actually be brought, and that's more than just picketing and rioting and and calling for an equaling of the scale, right? Yeah, an equaling of the scale is not God's justice. That's good, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful there because people could probably take that argument and say, "Well, we don't have to make things right." Then, well, no, you have to make things right, right? Yeah, equaling of the scales, and sometimes. Going the other direction is called for, right? Sometimes you, as the one who's been the benefactor for generations and millennia, uh, need to give over more than you ought to in order to make things right. Yeah, um, and I, we talked
1: about Zacchaeus. It's not a two weeks ago, but it's not a it's not a great um, comparison because Zacchaeus obviously wronged those people himself. But like uh, you know, the guy turned around and was like, hey, "I'm going to pay back four times." Yeah. You know. um, yeah but like what kind of, so if, if you're someone who passively benefited from a situation like that, like, well, I, you know, I think it's hard. It's hard as a person who like, I didn't do anything wrong. Right. You know, to say, hey, like we have to, this sure. is part of justice. This is part of what. Well, what...
0: I think at the core of the problem is ultimately it just comes down to selfishness, right? So oh yeah, we like to talk about ourselves in America as being a Christian nation. And there are certainly principles, Christian principles upon which we were founded. But the biggest influence upon our culture and the way that we think as a nation was, was John Locke and his philosophy. And it was a heavy philosophy about individualism and uh, much of what was said and justified. And a lot of the ways that biblical principles were validated was actually through the lens of a philosophy of individualism. And so when we come to these questions, we, we just need to step back and realize that a lot of the ways that we answer them, a lot of ways that we think about ourselves, our country, uh, even our communities is heavily influenced by this idea of the individual. In that idea, we are a collective of individuals, each seeking their own benefit and all sorts of different philosophies and moral philosophies have grown out of that. And you try to justify the good for the, the group, but it's justified because what's good for the group ultimately is good for me as an individual. And, you know, that's just not what God has called us to do. We we, we really need to let go of a lot of that individualism and realize that, you know, Jesus died. Like he, he put everything on the line for the benefit of the other. Yeah. And so when you're asking like, how do we begin to look at, you know, things that I didn't do anything wrong, right? I, I didn't do anything illegal. I didn't do anything immoral. But you, you still have, there may be a situation or system that's created. And I mean, I think the, the elephant in the room here is we're talking potentially like the race conversation that's going on right now. But you know, as as a white American male, I mean, I I have very few obstacles in my life. Right. That's great, right? I mean, and in some in some ways, I think it is like being able to see like that should be the case for everyone. Yeah. Right. It, and it's it's not. It's not saying that I've done anything wrong or I didn't deserve what God has given me, but it's asking people to step back and say, okay, but look at your brother and sister, Yeah, right? Put the focus there, not on yourself. Don't look at the equation and say, okay, what is it gonna cost me? Look at the current equation and say, what is it costing them right now to have this reality? Right. right. And to the extent that you look at your brother and sister and say they're suffering or there's an injustice here, we're back to the question: How do we make this right? How do we make it right for e- the most good, the most right for everyone here? Um, and that that very well may entail giving over some of your to use the word privilege or or the benefit that you have derived from that situation in order to to make their life better. Like, how is that not this, the thing that God has called us to do? Right, right. To sacrifice some of your good for the benefit of your brother and sister.
1: Yeah, I mean, we look at the life of Jesus. He just yeah. he sacrificed everything. Sure. And and Paul talks about, uh, I believe it's Paul talks about being a drink offering. If I'm a drink offering poured out. Yeah. You know, like I want, like to me, like that's been kind of the, it's been on my mind for about five years, you know, like, God, if I'm a, if I end up being a drink offering that you pour out, you know, like I'm not wasted, you know, I'm an offering.
0: Yeah. I think that, I think Paul's discussion about being a drink offering is really helpful. And I mean, it's just another way of saying what I think the, the entire call to Christianity ultimately is, you know, I, I, and I don't know what, what it, I mean, I'll, I do know, ultimately it's God that makes the flip for people, but like how do you begin to to understand and really latch on to and grasp this idea that, like we're, we're, you know, we talked about this a few Sundays ago, like we're, we're called to suffer for right. the benefit of others. Like there's so much, you know, I've just kind of joked in the halls about this. Like there's so much right now in popular Christianity that's some form of prosperity gospel that to be a Christian means that you're going to live a good life in some way, whether it's flashy watches and, and possessions or, or health or uh, easy life. You know, it's like, that's, you know, that's not the promise. Yeah. Right? Well, he, I mean,
1: Hebrews 12, 12, I think one and two is talks about um, what true worship is and it's laying our life down as a living sacrifice. Right. Right. Acceptable to God. Like, yeah
0: like we, we are the recipients of the best thing in the world. And that is reconciliation with God and yeah. with each other through that sacrifice. On the other side of that is uh, an obligation. And it's real easy to talk about it in terms of an obligation. Like you should go do this. Oh yeah, yeah. You should be willing to sacrifice. You should do this. And, and that's true. Yeah. But I think kind of what I was referencing earlier is like, how, how do you get the, get it to flip in your head you know, just reading the stories of those, some of those early Christian witnesses and, and the, the martyrs and, and their mentality that to go to their death was a privilege. Yeah. You know, you begin to see that coming up against obstacles in your life, giving over more than perhaps you wisely should give over in the way that Zacchaeus, we talked about giving half of his possessions away was considered unwise. Like that's just, that's risky. Like taking those risks for the benefit of others and being willing to sacrifice and suffer for others there's actually pleasure in that. I and mean, that sounds counterintuitive and paradoxical, of course, but to get to the point where you understand that this great thing has been done for you and now your whole life, as Paul said, as you referenced, is to be poured out as a drink offering to someone else and that there's great joy in doing that. Right. Like I, that's that's sort of the switch that needs to be flipped, I think, in a lot of lot of minds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And even to the extent that I can sit here and say that now, like 15 minutes from now, (laughs) you know, (laughs) know, my selfish inclinations tick in and then you forget it. And so it's something you need to be constantly reminded of. But yeah, I I mean, bringing it back to like the current situation with, you know, the election that's happening today. And you know, what, as we said on Sunday, hopefully doesn't come, but potential unrest and certainly upset feelings and and anger that's gonna going to spill out afterwards either way. It's really just a matter, not just, it really is a matter as a Christian to be willing to set aside your own inclinations, desires, emotions, feelings, and go back to the question, what is justice here? How does this situation get made right? Yeah. And does it does that require me to give things up? Okay, so be it.
1: You referenced very briefly uh, Sunday, the uh, Beatitudes. Yeah. And blessed are the peacemakers, uh, blessed are the, the poor in spirit. So yeah. I, the way I, I understand the poor in spirit is those who know they need God. Um, yeah, this is a good time to recognize, Hey, I need God. <laughs> Cause like, I don't know why it seems to have grown to a head, but like this election, this,
0: this year, people, people need God more than ever. Right. Like, it, yeah. I mean, it's, I think in every time and in every place, there's something you can point to and say, well, that shows that we need God more than ever, Yeah, but it, you know, it's very much in our face right now. Yeah. Um, you know, what happens? I mean, you go back to that sort of end part of that first chapter that we were looking at this, this week and you look at that list of sort of vices and sins that the pagans were given over to the people that suppressed truth were ultimately given over to. And the majority of that list, you can look at and say, that's, that's what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, being, being able to see a need for God, I think is yeah a tangible reality at the well,
1: moment. Well, like, I think people replace it with like, you know, we just, we need this candidate in office or we need this candidate in office or we need this role in place. And like, that's not enough. That's not ever going to be the answer to right. get this candidate or that candidate. It has to be, um it has to be God, especially for, for like Christians to think that, like, and I've been guilty of this myself. Like, you know, if, if this rule goes through or if, if uh, they pass this or that, like that's going to ease my suffering and that's going to uh, uh, make things better, but like, or bring peace. But like, there's only one thing that's going to bring peace, you know, right? And it's, and it's not a, it's not a political party, and it's not some rule that's changed. Right? It's it's the manifestation of the kingdom of God here on earth. Right. And uh, you kind of got into Sunday like the eschaton and like mm-hmm. the kingdom of God here. Um, that's here, and then not yet. You know. Um, I think what I, I like practical steps for me is like, what does it mean when the kingdom of God has is come upon you today? You know. Like uh, Jesus says it to Zacchaeus, like salvation has come to your house today. You, you hear him say, you know, the, the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is here. Like, right. what does that mean? <laughs> that's, that's probably not an easy thing to break down. No, quickly, that's, a,
0: that's a huge topic. And, and one that we certainly are gonna get into here probably pretty soon. Um, right on. So I don't wanna dodge the question necessarily, but I do wanna say that's a really complex question. Um, and I, th- I think it has multiple answers the history of Christianity is tried to answer that question. Um, but in terms of a practical outworking, what does the kingdom look like? But in, in general terms, just the idea of kingdom means that there is a king, right? And we're back to like, I think what we talked about earlier in the summer, uh, if you were around and listening, we talked about you know the gospel ultimately, the true God, the full gospel is that Jesus is king. You know, G- Jesus as salvation bringer is a piece of that certainly we have collapsed the larger gospel into that message of salvation and, and largely left out this idea of Jesus as king mm. and kingdom. And the implication is mm. that if we are if we are going to be kingdom people, that means that we are going to follow a king. We are subjects to something, to a king, to Jesus and to God. Yeah, it's not a democracy. No, it's, it's not a democracy. The right? democracy of God is upon you today. No, no. And, and the institution of the kingdom it goes back to how we started. It goes back to, it's, it's a it's a justice project. Yeah. right. That that when the king takes his throne and the promise of the second coming of the eschaton that you mentioned earlier, eschaton literally meaning the, com- the next age, the coming age, the final age, right? Yeah. Will be the time when it was all made right, that God's justice will be brought about. And so what it looks like now to be kingdom people, to submit to that kingdom, to submit to the authority and the power of the king and to do the will of that King, which is to bring about justice, which is to in every way possible that we can make things right. Yeah. Um, and I think at the core, that's what kingdom is. Yeah. Then you get into all sorts of questions of like, what actually does that look like practically yeah. here and now in this moment, in this time and place. Yeah. And I think all those, I mean, they're, they're again, general principles and commonalities mm-hmm. there, but. In some ways, it, I guess you could say it depends.
1: So your Sunday message was challenging to the extent that it, I think, requires us to kind of come out from our situation. That's it. we got to kind of detach from what's going on now and kind of reattach ourselves to the gospel and what the implications of Jesus are and what we should actually be doing here. It seemed like if you turn on the news, like our lives are all about what's going on right now but like we're called to come out from among them you know i think sometimes we get so sucked into what's going on that we forget like oh yeah this is not what we're here we're not here for like political reason or not here to make you know this this bill pass or this thing happen but we're actually here serving a king and uh we're here to be subject to his rule like i thought that was like oh like this kind of hit me in the face that like this is not
0: why we're here <laughs> right you said earlier you mentioned about you know people kind of getting worked up and about who gets elected and wanting their candidate as if that candidate is some way a messianic figure or getting your your candidate elected is going to fix the problem. Yeah. And I guess I don't want to imply that there aren't pot- potentially better choices, right? One may be better than the other. Yeah. The real danger that I I see, I feel find myself in is putting as you said, kind of putting your hope in the candidate, and then either it works out or it doesn't. But either way, thinking, if it works out for for your candidate, okay, now, now we're set, which you kind of alluded to the fact that no candidate is gonna solve the problem, right? Right. It may be a piece to the solution. It may enact policies that help move in one direction or the other. Um, and I think the truth of the matter is fix maybe one area, right? I mean, depending yeah. on which candidate you pick, well, this piece over here might get moved towards justice, but this piece over here probably won't, right? right. And, and that's probably true of both candidates that oh, in yeah. different areas, they focus on different uh, things that we we as Christians would hope for in terms of God's justice. Yeah. If your candidate loses, then you get ticked off and you get disgruntled and you get angry and you think, oh, well, all hope's lost for, the four years, we'll try again in four years.
1: I, I think I think a lot of the answer is in your reaction to yeah,
0: what happens. That's exactly right. That's, that's where I was going with this. The question is, I guess. Okay, so one of them gets elected. The question is, what are you going to do about it, right? What are you going to do tomorrow, yeah. right? It is what it is. Yeah. One way or the other, the the one of the problems that you alluded to is that we kind of hand over responsibility to the president, to the government, whether it's local, national, state, whatever level, and think that they're going to solve problems when in fact it's it's the church. It's yeah. you and me, the hands and feet of God who are called to make change and seek justice. And if we're not willing to step up and do that, regardless of who's in office, then, then we've got problems.
1: We, we talked about kind of in the hallway today, uh, creative people and their place in society Yeah, and like uh, what they what they do, um, co-laboring with God to make something out of, out of nothing or out of brokenness that like, uh, you know, creative people will often get booted out of community because they get priced out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it's, there's a necessity right now for God's people to get creative, to actually co-labor with God to create, not necessarily systems, but maybe systems to help people out to to bring God's justice to make things beautiful to make things a picture you know of of the of the age to come
0: yeah i think i think you put your your finger really on the heart of it there right like justice making justice work working out justice is an act of creation and or recreation right it's remolding systems and realities to reflect the kingdom that's absolutely a creative act i think that's a that's a great take communion was a part of service this this week
1: and for whatever reason, it was kind of emotional. We did, uh, I, I did the the heart of worship, the, the old song, um, kind of taking, taking myself back at least, you know, I don't know if I took anybody else back, but like anyone who knows the story of the song, the thought was, you know, just strip it all back, strip it all away and see if we can worship God when we don't have all the bells and whistles. And communion was really emotional. And just, uh, I felt like uh, it meant a lot this time. Like, can you talk about like communion and, and what that means? And
0: Oh, yeah. I don't want to get too deep into the sort of the theology of communion, but clearly this is something that Jesus has given to the church, given to us. Paul talks about it at length uh, in a number of different places as the thing that we do to remember what God has done for us. And, you know, the theology behind exactly what's going on has unfortunately been something that has churches have divided over through the, through the years and I think that's definitely unfortunate because it's obviously it's, I mean, the sacraments are what in some ways helps constitute the church. And so it's, it's unfortunate that they are the, the center of some of the division, right? right? But again, you go kind of go back to the early church and the way that they were looking at communion in a lot of ways, modern, particularly Western American churches, uh, we're focusing on the sacrifice, the death, uh, the forgiveness of sin, and there's sort of like a, a weightiness of coming to confession. In, in that process and, and the early church, I mean, it was it was referred to as the Eucharist and it was a celebration. It was a recognition that what God did from you know the moment that he sort of gave the Last Supper when he gave us this act over the next, obviously the next day and the coming days of his resurrection was to reverse all of the wrongness, right, it was sort of the ultimate act of justice as we've alluded to already a couple of times, but it was a happy thing, it was a celebration And I, you know, my, my, my understanding, my, some of my theological understanding is that whatever, whatever is going on as we as a community come together and we break that bread and we drink the cup, whether you use wine or grape juice or, you know, whatever it is. Some people are crackers and orange juice in the morning at home. You know, some of this we're doing at home as distance right now. So you're kind of using what you can, but what's important is a remembrance and a recognition of what God has done for us and an understanding that, in the sacraments, particularly baptism and communion, God pours out his grace in those moments, mm. that it is it is there. And I think that's some of what was so profound this Sunday. It's, you know, it's, it's, there's some Sundays when it's kind of going through the motions yeah. uh, and you don't feel it. I think God's still certainly doing something there, whether you feel it or I don't think God's act is contingent upon our feeling. Right, Craig? But yeah, there was something sort of heavy in the room this week as we kind of came together Maybe it was, you know, we had spent some time as, you know, as you mentioned, you were, you kind of played through and sang Heart of Worship as the church prayed. Yeah. You know, and that's always a powerful moment when you all are coming together to pray. Yeah. When two or three are gathered in his name, he shows up and, you know, that was tangibly present in, in a real way. And so I think all of that rushing together, the moment that God pours out his grace and, you know, as, as, a, as the one who sort of administers communion, there's a particular point when, you know, you pray that, you know, God would pour out his spirit on the elements and those of us who receive it. And I think that got felt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think it always happens. I think it got felt this week. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, understanding communion as, as a means of grace, you know, that's the way the Wesley's would have talked about it. You know, yeah. that's sort of the Wesleyan Methodist tradition. But uh, this is one of the times and places where God, you know, he, he obviously extends grace all the time, but this is a, a tangible moment when that happens to the community. and. Yeah, and that was a real thing this week, and it was awesome. Yeah,
1: it's it's different than emotion, right? Like when 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 you feel God move, it's not like a it's not like an emotional response necessarily. Although God, I believe God does move on your on your emotions. Yeah, but it's hard to explain. You know, like it's really one of those. Uh, yeah, it has to be felt and tell kind of deals. right? Yeah, as yeah. The,
0: yeah. As the Pentecostal saying, <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it definitely is. It's an experience, but it's not. Yeah, I don't know how we're gonna, on a podcast, really explain what gets, <laughs> but it's not an emotion. You know, like you can watch a, a sappy movie and, and feel emotion and feel moved. Right. But this is like a d- deep in your soul yeah. weight. You yeah. I think that's my experience of it. I don't know yeah. how you would describe it, but it's it's other than just a, an emotional response for it, sure. It, it's so
1: like, uh, it's funny because everyone feels feels God. It's a, it's a like a weird kind of, this is how I feel God, but like everyone experiences God, I think differently in that way when he comes in like a tangible way. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like my, like, uh, you ever had your ears pop, you know, like when you change elevation. So it's like my ears pop and then like a tingling starts in my brain and like, you know, neurons that don't normally fire, start firing, you know, like those are for me, like as a songwriter, creative moments for me, um, always come out of like when that happens in a service, uh, like, a. A thought will come to my head, and I just I sing it out, and then like that's that's a lot of times how I end up writing a chorus to a song, and then I can write the verses later right. when they come. But like the the move of God is something like it's it's amazing. It's not it's like nothing
0: else. Yeah, I you, we we have definitely like taken a turn here in this podcast, I'm sorry, but my bad. no no it's not. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's amazing because it's important and it, it does matter because it is. I mean, you want to talk about how we go from. Being sort of selfish and individualistic that we were talking about earlier to moving to the point where we can seek justice, motivated and compelled by God, it is in having that experience, right? And you know, I I said I don't know how we how we flip that switch. Ultimately, we don't. It's what God does, and and what you're describing, you know, and you said I I think you're right. People experience that differently, but it it, are those moments that flip switches and compel us to do things. And you you mentioned you're a songwriter and a, a creative in that way, and for me, you know, as, as I'm putting together what we're gonna talk about on a Sunday and trying to find, I mean, I always have, when I'm going through my process, yeah. now we're talking a little bit about process, but there's a lot of research that goes into it, you know, a lot of kind of crazy nerdy stuff <laughs> that I have yeah. to get into um, to kind of work out, you know, what, what is the context? What is, what is the sort of the framework within which we're gonna have this conversation? And then usually, uh, well, almost always, I try, try to get around to the point like, okay, what, what does it matter? You know, and and the what does it matter for me? Sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not, and and there have been many Sundays, especially since starting here in Manual, where you know I, I get to that point. All right, I got all the the groundwork laid out. You know, the Greek's been parsed, the historical context, the cultural context, the narrative context. Like where does it flow in the letter, and like you know what parable got told before it in order to like set it up. Like we talk about Zacchaeus. Like yeah. Luke puts a couple parables that kind of get you primed for what he's about to tell you. Um, all that gets worked out. And then sometimes I have to just sit here and wait, mm. right? And there've been some Sundays where, you know, I'll put on like some music or whatever to kind of like set the stage or whatever, you know, it's worshipful kind of stuff. And and I've just wandered the halls for hours at times, just praying and waiting, okay, God, what what is, what is this? What is, what do you need to say out of all of this, and then comes that experience or something akin to it, right? right? Where your 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 thoughts are opened up in a way, then some somewhat they're not your own. You know, it's like right. And you get that sort of tingling sensation. You're like, oh, I get it now, right? Yeah. So you have um, the light
1: bulb moment before we have the light bulb moment yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, a
0: lot of times the light bulb moment that you, you're describing is the light bulb moment I got at some point during the week. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's the hook, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, as, as, you know, for you, it's a chorus. For me, it's, oh, that's the point we need to make today, right? That's the that's the thing that's gonna kind of shift the ground for people. Yeah. Because um, I think, I mean, that's that's a good way to put it in my experience. like the coming of God, the moment when the spirit kind of comes, shifts the ground, Oh, right? And sometimes that is just, sometimes it's intellectual, I guess. Sometimes it's emotional. Yeah. There was a phrase that, Bart, if you're listening, you'll, you'll appreciate this one, but um, he, he reminds me all the time. I, I spoke one Sunday years ago about God bringing, bringing in a plot twist, right? Oh, and, yeah. so, and sometimes like a lot of times when God shows up, He's shown up to throw you a, a, a curveball a plot twist he's gonna shift the ground on you because he needs to tell you something bring you in a di- new direction and it all goes back to working out his his justice bringing you back into his kingdom purpose and realizing that <laughs> some we're workers right we're, we're the worker bees right we're the subjects that are called to to carry out his his justice and his mission in this world and those God moments usually have something to do with that yeah. That's amazing. That was incredible. I like what you said
1: about this probably end up being in a song somewhere. The coming of God shifts the ground that we're standing on. Like that, that is intense. Like, and it does too. Like it leads us to repentance, that, that true change, which ultimately I think is the, is the, is the goal, right? Like, I'm not sure. Did you talk about repentance this Sunday or last Sunday? I feel like it gets weaved in a lot. Yeah, it's kind of a big theme. It comes yeah, that's up. A, that's a, that's a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is a big theme. But like um, we can't we can't do an outworking of his his justice and his kingdom without repentance, without that change. And I, I'm under the impression that that those those changes happen when 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 God moves, you know, or not necessarily. It's not always like a hey, we felt God move thing, but like God does something in us that makes us, you know, maybe go against everything that we thought. Before and and literally
0: change our lives. What we're describing is again to kind of go back to a, sort of a Wesleyan perspective is is the process of sanctification, mm. right? And and this this is a process. I mean, you know, we're we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? It's it's a it's a lifelong evolution towards kingdom. Yeah, and there's a moment of conversion, right? A moment with the lights come on. You you recognize, hey, this Jesus is real. This God is real, and I better do something about it, right? I need to respond to that. But it's a lifelong process of God coming and continually shifting that ground and pruning and reining you in and putting you in new directions. If it's not that, then what what you're saying is I got it all together. Yeah, right.
1: Well, I think that's like the thought of a lot of people, you know, when they decide to follow Christ, like, okay, I'm following Christ now. Like you're good, you're in, you're in the bus, like you're you're going to heaven, like no need to do anything else further. And that that couldn't be further from the truth. There's, no, yeah. Th- there's always okay. You're in.
0: Buckle up. <laughs> Get yeah. ready for the ride. Yeah. You know. And and this goes all the way back to the beginning of the conversation. And we were talking about you know if if you think you're in the bus and you're good, well, now we're back into that sort of individual thinking, right? I'm oh. good. I'm set. I'm fine. I'm on the way. to heaven, I don't need to do anything. And what God says is no, 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 no. <laughs> you got a lot of learning to do, a lot of change is gonna have to happen. A lot of pruning, a a lot of suffering, a lot of pain you gotta go through. And recognizing that, that that is the process by which you become more like Christ is in some way, I think another way to unlock this idea of welcoming suffering, be willing to give things up, right? Being willing to sacrifice for your brother and sister, right? It is that process of pruning and that ground shifting and that changing and that, metamorphosis, that sanctification process that we should look forward to. You know, we understand that that giving that up gets us one step closer to God, one step closer to becoming like Jesus. Yeah, And I think that's in some ways how we find that joy in the midst of what is, you know, to all other eyes suffering.
1: Right now we're about to enter, I guess today's Tuesday and we're about to see an election. And I would say like, this is the solace to be found is in Christ and the not the outcomes of this election, but like in your, your response to this election, it, there's something to be found in Christ there. And our, our response as a church, I think is important.
0: Yeah, it's really important, I think. For me, just to add that, and then I, we've, we've, get, we've yapped for a while now, so we'll bring it to a close here, but it is in recognizing that kingdom is a now, but not yet reality, that we find hope, our joy, our comfort, our peace, and also our motivation because if we look at what we are staring in the face of right now, we have to know this and understand that ultimately everything is going to be fine. It's all gonna be good. God's got this, right? And so you can kind of step back and take a breath and say, God's got this, but at the same time, not yet, (laughs) right? Right? And so everything will be fine. Grab your tools, let's get to work. And part of making things fine, part of bringing about justice and kingdom, as we've said over and over today, means we have to co-labor. We have to find ways to be creative. We have to find the moments when God shifts out the ground underneath us to move us into the direction to help bring about kingdom, the now portion of kingdom that prepares the ground and, and makes ready our world for that second coming. And if we don't believe that it will ultimately all be put right, you can't do that. You can't go running into the burning house, not knowing that ultimately you're going to be safe. If we first put ourselves on a firm foundation, knowing that we have a good God, a creator, a Jesus, a King who has come back to make things right and will make things right and is making things right. Well then, you know, it's just my, one of our daughters right now is at around the Halloween time has had some dreams of ghosts and she's scared, right? And so at night she needs to go up and get ready for bed, but it's dark and she's scared. She can't do it. She's scared. Well. When dad pulls her aside and explains to her, we're in a house, you're safe, you're safe. I literally have her repeat that after me, you're safe. She says, I'm safe, you're safe, I'm safe. Okay, go brush your teeth and up to step she goes. It's the same thing. God is good, we're safe, now go get to work. That's great. And brush your teeth too. Yeah, don't forget to brush your teeth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing, Sam, it was beautiful so not this sunday but next sunday is our our first sunday for the yep, 15th the, the 11 o'clock service starting something new here and uh it's super exciting and it has been for us and uh you know you to know, pray us out and bless the people it's it's a. I uh, i know this week's probably going to be weighty on people
0: so yeah yeah that's that's a good thing i'll just say we you know we, we have had a decent response already about this this coming new service thing. So if you're out there and you're listening and you need a place to come and land and experience God and ask questions and talk about things and wrestle, like that's that's what this is about. There's a place for everybody to come and air their thoughts and find support and hopefully find God. So that's what that's about. But yeah, let's definitely say a word to God real quick and then we'll be on to the next episode. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you and we lay at your feet all of our concerns for our world, particularly our country, our city, our friends, our families, and we just recognize that that things are a mess, things are broken, that this world and our communities are not the picture of the kingdom, they are not whole and just and beautiful in the way that you had intended for that, for them to be. And so we ask now that you would come and you would move and you would be present today as we trust you have been over the last weeks, as people have been casting votes, that you would move on hearts and minds and that your will somehow in the midst of all of this would, would find a way to come into being. We ask that you would move on our hearts individually and as as a church and as a people in this time and place, as things around us begin to swirl and devolve and, and become chaotic and tempers flare and, and Peace seems nowhere to be found, Lord, that you would give us an inner strength and an inner peace, and that you would grant us your grace and your mercy to step into the, those moments, to, to not to cower, not to run for the hills or to, to be afraid to step out and, and offer your, your truth to this world, that we might look for ways to bring justice, that we might look at the situation we find ourselves in and say, this this is not right, this is broken. How can we fix it? How can we make the world a better place? Uh, We just ask that you would be in the midst of the coming days that you would empower us, that you would lead us in your will, shift us into your sons and daughters. We thank you for the sacrifice that you've made through your son, that we could even come and ask these things. And it is in his name and the power of your spirit that we ask all these things. Amen. Amen.